Hey guys, Chris from OneChurch.tv here, and I am joined uh, by my lovely bride, Kim Edmondson. Good morning! And uh, we Happy just, snow day! Happy snow day, exactly right. So, I know you want to kind of begin this conversation with like some of your best snow memories. What would they be? Yeah, I was just trying to think about that this morning, like... As a child, a favorite snow memory. If you have a favorite snow memory, you can share it with us. Yeah, um, please do. I was thinking about when we lived in Virginia Beach, and you usually don't get much snow at the beach, mm -hmm. and it mm -hmm. came, what, like four or five inches. Yeah, it was crazy. A snow there, and um, we were just thought it was so crazy mm -hmm. that it was snowing at the beach. Yep. So, and Of course, in Iowa, it snowed all the time. Yes. And uh, we actually had a snow blower that kind of halfway worked, and... Uh, I love snow, but I tell you, shoveling snow is atrocious. So not one of, uh, didn't really enjoy that. But I love the snow, love the cold weather. That was always fun. I probably, some of my favorite snow day weather is probably going uh, sledding. I love sledding. In right. fact, when it snows here a really good bunch, uh, we take uh, the boys to go sledding on Emerald Hill. Now, if you don't know where Emerald Hill is at, uh, it is a part of the Austin P. State University property right next to KFC on Riverside Drive. I'm telling you, the hill is like that. It is crazy, crazy steep, and you'll kill yourself. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Just what you always wanted to have happen. Absolutely. Sledding, so. right? Snowing. Yeah. So um, we're so glad to invite you into our home. Uh, my dog is actually sitting at our feet, warming mm -hmm. our feet, and Kim is drinking coffee, and I am drinking Mountain Dew, because y'all know I don't drink coffee, but I got it in a Starbucks mug. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Cheers. Salud. So anyway, <laughs> uh, we're in week four of this series called Starting Over. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, I hope you guys have enjoyed this series. We've heard, gotten a lot of great feedback from you guys. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we're all talking about, really talking about how to deal with all of our regrets. So um, uh, just to kind of bring us up to speed, and then we'll kind of go through just a conversation. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. This is going to be a little bit different because, of course, we're not in the movie theater. But secondly, uh, last night, I just felt like God was telling me to punt this sermon and do something radically different. So uh, that's what I've done. Um, the sermon that I prepared, I am not going to uh, mention that today because uh, uh, I really felt like God was directing uh, my heart to a passage of scripture that I wanted to share with you guys. It's still talking about regrets, but uh, Kim and I have recently just read this. We're going through reading our Bible uh, in a year, and we're doing the chronological study. And uh, we're going to be in Genesis, and we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph. But before we do that... Well, and that's a great yes. place to plug version. Um, we often mention version on Sunday mornings. It is a phone app that you can download on your phone, the Bible on your phone. Um, and they have great reading plans. And I will tell you, um, the way that I have been able to read the Bible consistently is by having it on my phone. Um, and we've read through the Bible together the past two years. Yep. This will be year three. So yep. if you don't have it, get version on your phones. It'll change your life. And by the way, this, this is kind of interesting. Every time you open up your Bible app, it says how many days you have been consistent. Right, your streak. And my streak. Yes. I'm streaking as your pastor. Um, no, that ain't that great. <laughs> no, please don't. But, <laughs> Whoa, TMI. Okay, But I opened up today, and it says I was 365. Awesome. So what's so cool about that is I know if today I'm 365 days consistent, then Bobby Meeks, I don't know if you're watching, but I was hanging out in their small group on Thursday night. And today, you are in day 365 as well. So awesome. a huge shout out to Bobby That's Meeks. Awesome. Great so, job. Yeah, absolutely. Great job. So um, today, uh, we're going to talk about regret. And I'm just going to do a quick overview of what we've looked at. We've we really looked at that there's three different types of regret. There's regret of action. And that is the regret where um, we do something stupid and we slap our head. And I can't believe I've done something uh, that crazy. Uh, I take my glasses off. I know, and put that's your what I was just thinking. What is that? <laughs> um, so old. Oh, my God. So uh, that's regret of action. And then there's regret of inaction. And one of the things that we've talked about uh, is that it seems like the older you get, the biggest regrets you have are the ones that you didn't do, the opportunities missed. Uh, forgiveness not given, um, things of that nature. So that's regret of inaction. But today, we're going to really be talking about the regret of reaction, and that's when something bad is done to you. 
when something harmful is done to you, uh, when somebody hurts you in a maybe a terrible way. And today, uh, we're going to see uh, that the story of Joseph, in a lot of ways, on our set. Now, before we get into it, I'm just going to uh, kind of go over the weeks that we talked about. The first week, we talked about we need to recognize our regret. And if you remember the whole beach ball illustration, that many times when we hide our regret, we push that down, but it always pops up to the surface. And we, re and we actually looked at that God won't heal what we choose to hide. Um, so that was a, a couple of weeks ago. And then there was release your regret. That was last week. And we talked all about forgiveness and how many times it's when we release our regrets by offering forgiveness either to ourselves or to someone else then we will truly be free. Because as we looked at last week, um, uh, that when you uh, choose not to forgive, you're actually shutting yourself up in a prison mm -hmm. and you're hurting yourself. Mm -hmm. so. It's like trying to hang on to that big stick. We had that right. as our, uh, our sticky moment so last week in more than that. one way. About we, If we choose to hang on to that, it can keep us from moving forward. It can block us from, yep. uh, from letting go of things. And mm -hmm. so we talked about, I'm just, I've got to let it go. Let I've got go. to give it to God and allow him yep. to uh, hold that regret and deal with that regret. If you don't get rid of your stick, you can get stuck. And that's kind of what we talked about last week. So today, we're, talk, we're going to talk about redeeming our regrets. Now, that's kind of a churchy word, redeem. Mm -hmm. So in, if you had to paraphrase what redeem means, what would it be? Um, well, the, the actual definition is to buy back. Okay. Isn't that right? Yep. To, so something that belonged to mm -hmm. you, um, that it's important enough and valuable enough that when you redeem it, it means that you buy that back. Mm -hmm. um, that you, um, it's something that you, you want. Um, I, we just saw, you and I just saw This Is Us. Right. This past uh, Thursday, whenever it was, mm -hmm. and uh, in that um, in that series, Toby was collecting right. the Star original Wars. Star Wars figures, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, what's your uh, what's your name? Kate. Kate actually ended up giving them away, like selling them away. And she went back and she tried to buy those back. Right. So exactly right. Exactly. A lot of times when you get uh, um, like drinks, like a maybe a Coke bottle or whatever, or even if it's a plastic one, you can actually turn that in and you can get money for that. So that's another way to redeem. The actual word that we're going to be looking at today in the original Greek literally means to rescue. So um, we're going to be talking about how God can rescue our regrets. And here's our big idea today, that God wants to take your story of regret and turn it into a story of redemption. Mm. I'm going to say that one more time. God wants to take your story of regret. What is that story that you're thinking about right now? Your biggest regret. Maybe it's something that you've done. Maybe that something was done to you. Um, and God wants to turn that around and make it a story of redemption, of making it something good. And the verse that really kind of ties all of this together is a verse, uh, Romans 8, 28. And you know that, I think, I know, I know that. Um, and it says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, when you kind of read that, what's some of the things that pop out to you, Kim? Well, I think it's one of those verses that we, we have to watch out for sometimes because when we read that, God works all things for good. Uh, when there are seasons in our life where everything isn't good, then we can talk about, well, you know, in Romans it says that God works all things for good. And how, if God is so good, how come bad things are happening? And I think what we need to look at here is that Paul is saying uh, we know that in all things God works for good. So it doesn't mean that we're never going to be in a situation that isn't hard or tough or that causes us to stretch and grow. What this verse is saying is that God works in all of those things mm -hmm. for good, mm -hmm. um, that he produces good out of everything that we go through. Absolutely. That's good. And you know, I like how you said that because it, it, things that happen to us may not be good. Right. Um, but somehow, like only God can do, he can somehow make something good come out of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, I, I wrote this down. Your worst moments are where God can do his best work. 
And uh, we're going to be talking about that in all things. And notice it doesn't say some things. Uh, it, it happens really with good things and bad things because it happens to both of us. We all have regret. We all have those things where we've done something harmful, maybe to someone or to ourselves or to our family. That thing that you wished would have never, ever happened, God can take that and twist it and make that part of your redemption story. Make that part of where it's good and how you can be able to help other people. Mm -hmm. So as we kind of process through this, um, I would encourage you, if you have a maybe a redemption short story you would like to share, go ahead and do that uh, now on the bottom of your Facebook page. So, But remember, your worst moments are where God can do his best work. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. so let's, uh, do you have anything you want to add to that? Well, I was just going to give a shout out to, um, to my ladies group. Any of you that are watching, good morning. Um, we are, we have just studied, uh, started studying the book of James. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about all things working for good, we were in James chapter one, um, verses two through six this week. And it just talks about in the beginning of James that we were going to face trouble. And it just, this Romans passage reminds me of that. Mm -hmm. We're going to face trouble. We're going to face things that are difficult. We're going to face, um, complications and setbacks. But it also says here, consider it an opportunity for great joy because what's going to happen through that and it says in verse three you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has a chance chance to grow and when your endurance is fully developed then you'll be complete mm -hmm. and you'll be lacking nothing mm -hmm. and so i just think when we look at that romans passage mm -hmm. where it talks about in all things god is working for good and then we see in james where it says even in your trials sure. great joy is coming mm -hmm. so just that reminder that god doesn't drag us through things for the fun of it. Um, I don't think he finds any joy in grabbing us by the hair and dragging us through a circumstance. He does have a purpose. And sometimes even if it's difficult for us to see the purpose in our own life, we have to remember that those around us are watching and they will see things develop in us. They will see characteristics grow in us that we probably won't even see in the moment. And so sometimes the things that we face and our regrets that we deal with are even more benefit to the people who are around mm -hmm. us. And I think we see that in Joseph's life. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm excited to talk about that. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and dig in. Genesis chapter 37. And in this, we're going to see uh, Joseph experience a lot of regrets. Not many that he actually brought on himself. We're going to see maybe some of that. But really... We're going to see things that were done to him, some really bad, evil things, and how God was able to take those that bad stuff and turning it into something good. So uh, we're going to start at Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to start at verse 3, and uh, we're going to go through verse 8. Um, would you like to read some? Mm -hmm. okay, I'll, I'll read. <laughs> Can you read it on the big screen? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's so funny. we got Bibles here, and we're getting so old, we can't read them. We're going to have to get large print. Isn't that awful? Oh my gosh. Anyway, so oh, man. Uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse, uh, starting verse 3. Uh, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. We've heard all about this, Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat. Some of you know that, right? Coat of many colors. Coat of many colors. Yep, absolutely so. Uh, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. Uh, they could not say a kind word to him. I mean, I mean, that's just interesting how they intersected that. They, can't, they couldn't say a kind word to him. Mm. Have you ever been in that situation where you just feel like you can't say a kind word about your boss, a kind word about a family member, whatever that is? That is not a good, healthy place to be in. Right. And, you know, sometimes we wonder, is the Bible relevant to my life? Is the Bible relevant to my circumstances? And if you've got family drama, this is a great place for you to see <laughs> that even in the book of Genesis, in Jacob's family, among all of his sons, oh, there's definitely some drama going on here. So uh, if you can find yourself anywhere in family drama, you can find it in this family. Absolutely. Verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Mm -hmm. Listen to this dream, he said. We were all out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up and all of your bundles all gathered around me and bowed low before mine. 
His brothers responded, so you think you're going to be our king, do you? Do you actually think that you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Damn. So we see in this, we start seeing some of the, the hatred that's going to foster some really bad things happening to Joseph. So now I know you said you want to talk a little bit about this kind of Joseph and his dreams. How do you think that? Well, I mean, I just every time I read this, I just think about Joseph's position. Um, he didn't ask to be the favorite. Um, you know, it wasn't his choice to be born in uh, Jacob's old mm -hmm. age. I mean, that that was just his circumstance, and so. Um, it's just kind of like if you've ever been in a situation where someone else is the favorite. Um, it wasn't necessarily that he asked for that. But I can only imagine he gets this coat, and who, who of us wouldn't be proud to get something like that from a parent? Um, and then when he talks to his brothers about his dream, I mean, I just wonder if there was a little edge of... Um, superiority there, mm -hmm. or some entitlement there, yeah. or you know, hey, look at me, With I have pride. this dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Uh, and so um, it just it just kind of makes me think of that. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say he was being braggy. But I can imagine, and especially by the brothers' responses. Oh, so you think you're going to be sure. our king? Do you? Sure. Just that. Uh, how that could have bred some uh, some hard feelings there. And, and we see that even the next following verses. Uh, he has another dream. He shares it not only with his brothers, but he says it, shares it with his dad. And dad's like, let's don't talk about that. Because right. uh, that that's, <laughs> that's not making you look very, very good. That's true. So, absolutely. Yes. So let's skip down to verse uh, 18 and give you the context. So what's happening in verse uh, up to this point is uh, all of Joseph's brothers, they're out working in the fields and they're tending the sheep. And uh, Joseph is going out uh, to basically look for his brothers. In fact, it says that Jacob, Joseph's father, actually sent them out to kind of spy on them because apparently uh, they had some rambunctiousness. And they're like, hey, let go talk to your brothers and see, make sure that they're doing what they're doing. So starting in verse 18, as Joseph is approaching them, uh, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached as he approached, they made plans, look at this, to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into the, one of those cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him, and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Mm -hmm. So automatically, you see this uh, favoritism that's bred hatred in the brothers, and now the brothers are wanting to kill Joseph. And look at this, even though I feel like God gave Joseph this dream, but automatically you have this resistance and it's coming from his family. And again, I don't know if this is your first time joining us online or maybe one church is your home or maybe you're just kind of throwing through your Facebook feed and you're kind of, let me say this, if you, if you ever feel like that um, people are kind of coming against you and attacking you and uh, Joseph knows exactly how you feel. And, uh, and I feel like this is given to us so that we can relate because all of us, we have regrets. All of us have hurts. All of us have pain. And I tell you, Joseph is no different. No different here. So let's skip down to verse 23. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. They grabbed him and they threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. Now what it's is a, a cistern? Well. Yeah, it's a well. It's, a it's well. this empty well. So they throw him in there. It's empty. There was no water in it. Verse 25. Then, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and they saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin. That's fun to say. Uh, from Gilead down to Egypt. When I think of that, when I think of gum and balm and aromatic resin, it makes me think of like going to the store as a kid. Oh, gum is good. Oh, balm. That's chapstick, right? Eat balm, <laughs> right? So they got some chewing gum, some chapstick. The and aromatic some candles, resin. Some candles or some wax. There you <laughs> go. So that's hilarious. I just, as a little uh, kid, that's what I always thought when absolutely. I read this. So uh, verse 26. Can you read that? Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? His blood would just give us a guilty conscience. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. 
So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brother pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them, sold Joseph to them, for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. So, automatically we see his, this is a regret of reaction. Something is done to him. And now uh, the brother's going to go back to Jacob and say, Listen, a wild animal's torn up your son. He's dead. And everybody's kind of written Joseph off. And Joseph is kind of out of sight, out of mind with, with Jacob and his brothers. Jacob thinks he's dead. The brothers know he's not dead, but they're glad that he's out of his life. And now Joseph is in Egypt. And with that, we are going to go uh, to Genesis chapter 39. Before we do that, as we turn there, I'm going to show you this. This is like some cross stitch. All right? um, and as I was kind of thinking through this, uh, this whole idea of God works all things for good for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. It makes me think of this. Now, some of you, you probably, if you're looking, and I'm going to kind of hold it a little bit closer, you can't read what that says. It's all kind of different um, uh, strings coming out, and it just looks like a mess. And honestly, from time to time, that is exactly how our life feels like. Like there's no pattern, there's nothing going on, everything's kind of cacophonous, everything is just crazy in our lives, and nothing is going the way we want them to. And I want you to kind of put this in your mind as we read Joseph's story, because some of your story feels exactly that way. Some of you, you've experienced the pain of divorce. Some of you, you've experienced the pain of bankruptcy. Uh, you've experienced the pain of, of going to a doctor and receiving a bad report, uh, 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 a friendship failing, whatever that looks like. And your life feels like this, like it's no purpose, no pattern. It's just a lot of strings and ugliness. And we're going to see Joseph felt that exact same way, but he didn't get stuck in his regrets. He was able to allow God to redeem his regrets. And that's what I want to kind of look at for the rest of our little bit of time we have left together, is how can God redeem our regrets? So uh, we're going to look at chapter 39, reading verses 1 and 2. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So this was like secret service for Pharaoh. Think about secret service to the president. All right, just continue verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything that he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Now, the first thing, when you look at how can God really redeem your regrets, the first thing I wrote down as I was kind of thinking about this last night is that you have to look for God even in the tough times. Look for God even in the tough times. You know, it would have been easy for Joseph, after being betrayed by his brothers, to feel what? Hated, forgotten, lost. Forgotten, bitterness. Yes. Anger. Angry at God, angry at his family. Mm -hmm. But notice what it says in verse 2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. I love that. And we're going to see that over and over and over in this passage. We're going to really highlight that. In fact, if you got your Bible out, you may even want to highlight that right there. The Lord was with Joseph. That even in the difficult times, God is walking with us. He is walking through us. He is holding our hand. And you've seen that kind of dumb little poem, Footprints, but that's exactly right. That God is taking our hand, and even in those dark, difficult times, he hasn't left us. He hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't forsaken us. He's still with Joseph. And look at this. Because the Lord was with Joseph, he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. This is huge. Because as, as we look for God, even during the tough times, we have to continue serving. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. We can't be sidelined by our pain. We have to continue to say, you know what, I am going to be consistent and I am willing to serve him no matter what. In fact, I like this, I think it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Glory of God. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. So, Well, and to the idea that um, 
you know, the, the Egyptians and uh, the Israelites didn't have the best relationship. And so, um, you know, here um, uh, Joseph is in Potiphar's home. He's a high-ranking official. Um, I mean, it could have been really bad for him. And uh, the idea, number one, that it mentions that God was with him. Um, and then secondly, what you said just a minute ago about how we continue on even in those tough times. You know, sometimes I think that when we don't feel God with us, we fake it till we make it. We do what we know God's word tells us to do. We do what we know the heart of God calls us to do as believers in him, even when we don't feel it. Because I can imagine Joseph probably wasn't feeling so great now. Sure. Um, but even so, we're going to see as these verses unfold, Joseph continued to be faithful to God. There were times when he thought God had completely forgotten him, when Joseph had been forgotten about for years, and yet he still remained faithful. And so today, I just want to challenge you, don't give up. Right. Remain faithful, even in the midst of regret or pain or hard time. That leads me to my second point, and it is oh, look at that. Remain, remain faithful and continue in the long obedience. Uh, I mean, Kim is nailing this one. I didn't read that. No, no, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I promise I didn't mean I know you didn't. It's all right. <laughs> so first, look for God even when you have difficult times. And second, remain faithful. That's exactly what Joseph did. That's exactly what you mentioned. He, he, was, he remained faithful even though he didn't feel like God was faithful to him. Mm. That's really important. Now, as we're going to look through this, God was faithful. Yes. But I'm telling you, there have been times in my life where I feel like God... Um, was not faithful to me and that God wasn't good. And I don't mind even sharing with you maybe a little bit, we have a little bit of time to talk a little bit about that uh, through Facebook Live. So, but let's keep on reading. I'm uh, going to be uh, reading uh, chapter 39, verses 6 through 9. And it says this, if you want to read 19 and 20 again. Uh, so this is uh, verses 6. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, look at this, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Wow. So Joseph was so on top of this. Only thing Potiphar worried about is like, am I going to go to five guys today or I'm going to go to uh, B-dubs? And see, that, that, who worries about that stuff? Anyway, so <laughs> verse 7, it says this. So Joseph was a very handsome man. He was well built. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Uh-oh. So now we have some more problems in the story. Uh, Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He's, he has held back nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against who? Against God. Against God. And we talked about this last week. You know, what do you do when you sin? Well, you ask forgiveness of God. Exactly right. So you got to remain faithful. And that's exactly what Joseph has done. Joseph's like, I'm not going to veer. I'm not going to take you. I'm not going to uh, hang out with Potiphar's wife. I'm going to remain faithful to what God is calling me to do. So remain faithful and continue in the long uh, uh, obedience. So if you would mind, just paraphrase, tell the story of what happens with uh, uh, Joseph and this woman, Potiphar's wife, and kind of the result. So he comes in the house one day, and she comes over to him and says, um, please sleep with me. And he says, no, I would never do that to my master. And so uh, she does that several days in a row, and he got to just where he would avoid her. And finally one day he comes in, and uh, she grabs a hold of him, and as he's trying to pull away from her, she grabs his cloak or his coat. And so Joseph runs away, and the servants come in later, and she's all dramatic and says, uh, Joseph tried to take advantage of me, and Potiphar gets home and finds out, and he is furious. And so in verses 19, beginning in uh, chapter 39, verse 19, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. Now remember, Joseph didn't treat her anyway. She made all of that up. And verse 20, so he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Wow. So here, again, we have more regret of reaction. I mean, he's, he's accused of something that he's not guilty of. Mm -hmm. And now, not only being sold into slavery, now he's put into prison. Right. At this point, I don't know how you would feel. I would almost feel like giving up on God. 
I mean, so it's no just like, what he does. Absolutely. Yeah. What does verse 21 say? Yeah, this is, now, in, uh, this is what we would call God's big but. If you're reading uh, in the New Living Translation, verse 21 starts with, but the Lord. So we have to look at and say, but what? But the Lord was with Joseph. There's that idea we talked about uh, starting in uh, chapter, what, 38? Mm -hmm. uh, 37. No, sorry, 37, sorry. Um, but the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. So the Lord is with him, and he continues to show Joseph his faithful love. So even in all the midst of everything that's happening to him, God is faithful and shows him his love. And that's exactly what I wrote down, this faithful love, that God is faithful even when it seems our problems prove that he doesn't even exist. Even when it seems like he's not faithful, that he is faithful. And we're going to see that God, even though he didn't cause this stuff to happen, he is going to use all of these problems to set Joseph up mm -hmm. so that, remember what we talked about? It's in our worst moments that God does his best work. So from there, let's skip over and let's see him uh, in uh, prison. Because we see um, he's with Joseph in verse 22. It says this, um, uh, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. So the warden is given the keys to this prisoner, Joseph. So he's the favorite. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. And then the warden had no more worries. Again, that's the same um, wording that's mentioned about Potiphar. Potiphar had, had no, no more worries. worries. Exactly mm -hmm. right. Because Joseph took care of what? Everything. Everything. You see, Joseph is remaining faithful even uh, when things are not going his way. And the end of that verse, the Lord was with him, with Joseph, and caused everything he did to succeed. So how many times have we seen that the Lord was with Joseph just in this chapter alone? We've seen it in verse 23, we've seen it in verse 21, and we've seen it in verse 6. Three times that the Lord was with Joseph. Again, before we kind of go on and start getting the good part of this story, when things are difficult for you, when something falls through, when your plans go kaput, is that when you just like give up on God? Is that when you walk away from the church? Is, is that when you kind of just, you just kind of throw yourself a pity party? Because remember, it's in our some of our worst moments that God can do his best work. And even though your life looks like this, of all of these strings and nappiness, I'm telling you, God has something for you that you can't quite see yet. And just as we go in, the, in Joseph's life, God is setting him up for something that he, qu he can't quite see yet. And that's what we're going to be in today. I'm going to... Uh, if you wouldn't mind, you tell the story um, of the whole prison thing and how he, uh, what's happening in prison, and then eventually he gets out. And that's going to kind of when we're going to start reading verse chapter 41, verse 39. So Joseph has been in prison for some time, and um, as we read at the end of chapter 39, he's placed in charge of everything. And one day two other prisoners showed up, two servants of the king, the king's cupbearer and the king's baker. And he got, the king got mad at them and threw them into prison. And so um, they're all in prison together. And one night the, the chief cupbearer and the baker both have a dream. And so they're all concerned, what does this dream mean? And how can we possibly find out what our dream is about? Well, it so happens that Joseph is there and God has given Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. So each of them share their dream with Joseph, and Joseph says, well, to the uh, chief uh, cupbearer, he says, well, this is what's going to happen. The king is going to call for you, you're going to go back into the king, you're going to find favor with him, and you're going to be restored to your position. And then the baker comes to him and says, well, this is my dream, and Joseph says, oh, dude. <laughs> It ain't looking so good. He says, you're going to go back and you're not going to be restored to your position. Actually, you're going to be impaled on a pole and you're <laughs> going to die. Um, and so sure enough, the king calls for them. The servants go back. The chief cupbearer is restored to position and the baker is killed. Now, before they left prison, Joseph said to them, when you get back into the presence of the king, please tell him that I told you what your dreams mean so that maybe the king will remember me and look favorably on me so that I can get out of prison. 
Well, when the prisoners went back, they're so caught up in their own drama, they didn't even think about telling the king anything about Joseph. So Joseph continues to sit in prison, even though he's been faithful and he's helped interpret dreams and helped other people, Joseph is still in prison. And he's forgotten. He's forgotten by the cupbearer. In fact, we read uh, in the top of uh, chapter 41, two full years later, I mean, imagine, I mean, you invested this into somebody else and you've talked to them, hey, remember me, and he's forgotten for two years. He's forgotten by the cupbearer. He feels forgotten by God. He feels uh, betrayed by his family. Um, But remember, it's in our worst moments that God does his best work. And in chapter 41, verse 39, I'm going to start reading, but let me kind of give you what's happening here. It's because Pharaoh uh, is talking to the cupbearer and he has a dream. And Pharaoh's like, dude, I'm so disturbed about this dream I had. And he, he mentions these two dreams and to the cupbearer. And cupbearer's like, oh my gosh, I remember a guy who can actually tell you what your dream is about. So he summons Joseph and Joseph shares the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. Mm-hmm. And the, I'll tell you just briefly what it was. Basically what it was, Joseph says, here's what's going to happen. For seven years, you're going to have bountiful crops. And I mean, you won't have, I mean, there's going to be so much harvest. We're going to have so much corn. We're going to have so much fried chicken, mashed potatoes. Can you tell I'm hungry, by the way? We're going to eat pancakes after this. So there's going to be so much food, you won't know where all to put that. By the way, I see those hearts going with those uh, yeah, pancakes. Come on now. 21 55 Watertown, just saying. So anyway, don't know if that was wise, putting our (laughs) business out on the street. Wow. (laughs) Anywho, but there's going to be seven years of just (laughs) abundance. And then Joseph tells Pharaoh, by the way, there's going to be seven years of famine. And there's not going to be any food anywhere. So you need to store up the food now because in the next seven years, it's all going to be gone. So Joseph tells Pharaoh the dream, and Pharaoh's like, dude, you're smart. And then in verse 39, it says this. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all of my people, and everybody will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge. By the way, where have we heard this before? Potiphar. Potiphar. He was put in charge of Potiphar's house. Mm -hmm. Put in charge in the prison. Oh, yeah, sorry. You're right. You're good. And now he's put in charge of the entire nation. I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And whenever, wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. Now, what is this uh, in reference to? You remember those, those sheaves kneeling down to Joseph? Here's his dream getting fulfilled. Kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or a foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval, Joseph. I love that. It's so interesting. He got, he got the title and he got the blame. Mm. He, got, he got the ring. He got the necklace. He got the chariot. He got the robe. He got yeah. the girl. Because uh, in the next verse, it talks about how Pharaoh gave him a new name and he gave him a wife. I mean... So all this time waiting, all this time feeling forgotten, all this time of circumstances of life just mm-hmm. pressing in on him, and now Pharaoh's like, you my man. Yeah, so. absolutely. And it, it says this in verse 57. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. So it's almost like God was setting Joseph up to be able to fix a problem that nobody even knew that they had. Right. And again... I don't know where you're at, but some of the most difficult times, I almost feel like God is setting you up to be able to solve somebody's problems, to be able to, to take your story of regret and turn it into a story of redemption. Let's keep on going because I want to kind of read to you very briefly uh, what happens with his brothers. And uh, I'm kind of skipping around. This is chapter 42, verses 1 and 2. 
when Jacob heard that the grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, the sons that betrayed Joseph. And this is Jacob. This is Joseph's dad. Joseph's Jacob. dad. Exactly okay. right. right. Why are you still standing around looking at one another? Has your dad ever told you that? What are you doing? What are you standing there for? What you Get out and do You're something. Busy. Get your chores. I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there. By the way, why is there grain in Egypt? Because Joseph has uh, faithfully executed God's plan for the land. Exactly right. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we will die. Man. So, uh, skip to verse 6 if you wouldn't mind. Oh, my goodness. i got Verse 6. I'm sorry. You're right. Um, Since Joseph was governor of all of Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. And when they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph, this is verse 7, recognized his brothers instantly. Well, I guess I would too if they had sold me into slavery. And, uh, but he pretended to be a stranger and he spoke harshly to them. Uh, Where are you from? He demanded. From the land of Canaan, they replied. We've come to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. And he remembered the dreams he had had about them many years before. He said to them, you are spies. You have come to see how vulnerable the land has become. So he is, maybe this is his time to maybe get back. Maybe this is his time to take revenge. I'll tell you, that's not what happens. But honestly, are you ever tempted to do that? To able to take issues into your own hands and out of God's hands so that you can get even. And let me tell you, when you do that, you don't, you don't turn your stories of regret into stories of redemption. You turn your stories of regret into stories of revenge and bitterness and hatred that can only end in one way, and that is grief and death. But yet, when you leave them in God's hands, God can take your biggest regret or the biggest regret done to you, and he can make it and turn it into good and to turn it into a story of redemption. I'm going to skip down to verses 27 through 30. Um, and what happens is uh, the brothers come buy grain from Joseph, and Joseph does not let the brothers know that he recognizes them, and he sends them on his way, verse 27. But when they stopped for the night, one of them opened up their sack to get grain from the donkey, as they're going back to their dad, he found his money on top of the sack. And he said, look, look, he exclaimed his brothers, the money has been returned. It's here in my sack. Their heart sank trembling. He said to them, what has God done to us? So they're thinking, they're thinking about, okay, what's going to happen here? I'm going to skip now to now to chapter 43. All right, we're getting close to the end of the story, verses 27 through 30. And let me kind of uh, give you, again, the context for that before we do it. Joseph's brothers go back uh, to Egypt, and they have to buy more grain. And here is the time when Joseph is like getting ready to tell them. So this is starting in verse 27. After greeting them, he asked, how is your father? By the way, Joseph is asking, how is your father, the old man you spoke about? Is he still alive? He's asking, is my dad still alive? But they don't know that they're brothers yet. Yes, they replied, our father, your servant, is alive and well. And they bowed low again. Then Joseph looked at his brother Benjamin, the son of his own mother. Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And Joseph asked, may God be gracious to you, my son. And look at verse 30. This says, Would you, can you got verse 30? Uh, yeah, verse 30. Then Joseph hurried from the room because he was overcome with emotion for his brother. He went into his private room where he broke down and wept. And that leads me to a third point here. If you want God to take your regret and turn it into redemption, then you have to keep a soft heart. You have to keep a soft heart. Don't give in to bitterness. Don't get into give in to cynicism because he had that soft heart. He was able to weep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, it mentions that several times through, through the story of him before he tells his brothers mm-hmm. that he would have to turn his face away because he was overcome with emotion. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So this is the big reveal, chapter 45, verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 5. Um, so this is um, where it says, Joseph could stand it no longer, so he's getting ready to tell him who he is. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he what? Broke down and wept. You see, he, he didn't have that, he didn't allow those 
hard things that happened to him to make his heart hard. He, he, he protected his heart, he guarded his heart, and he still was able to weep. He still was able to cry. He broke down and wept. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him, and the word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. Verse 3. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he began again. I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Now, he could have said to them, you guys were horrible to me. You guys have done terrible things to me. But he says to them, don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. That word preserve, is, it literally means to redeem. Preserve, rescue, redeem. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. I mean, isn't that amazing? It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. It really is. I mean, Joseph didn't know the plan on the front side. The brothers had no way of knowing the plan. And now, when they all come face to face in this moment, this is when God allows everyone to see. You, you guys thought you just hated him because he was a pest and he was the favorite. So you guys just tried to get rid of him. Well, I brought him here knowing all along that this famine was coming and I was going to use him for great things. So he takes each of them and just like confounds them like, watch what I'm about to do here. Bam, drop the mic. Yep. Uh, because in the process of all of this, I saved every one of y'all. I saved all of you from what could have been devastation and destruction. So Joseph's biggest regret of being sold into slavery, being betrayed by his brothers, being uh, accused of something that he wasn't guilty of, of being forgotten, all of that, thrown into prison, all that now, God has made right. And the brother's biggest regret of betraying their brother, of hurting their father, guess what? God is making right. And I love this. Uh, it was God who sent me ahead of you to preserve your lives. In verse 7, um, God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to, what does it say? Preserve. To preserve, that redeem, many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. That's the redemption part. So here's, I, I want to, I got one more verse for you. And it's the last verse of Genesis, uh, in Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. So this is what it says. Actually, it's verse 20. It's not the last verse. Um, he's talking to his brothers, Joseph is. He says, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? And this is what he says, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for all good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. You see, here's some truths about redemption. Redemption is something that God wants to do in every story. He did it in Joseph's story, and he can do it in yours. But you've got to allow him to not be bitter. You can't be bitter. Uh, you have to remain pliable. Um, you have to uh, look for God even in difficult situations. Um, you have to uh, be able to remain faithful even when you feel like God's not been faithful to you. God can turn that around. He totally can. So redemption is God is, is something he wants to do. So the question I want to leave you guys is, will you let God do his work in and through you? You see, all of us, many times we feel like this. But see, what we got to realize is when we flip it over, number one, it says my kitchen is my, what does it say? Pride? It's not my pride, by the way. But That does not belong in this house. It does not. But my point is, this makes sense, doesn't it? This doesn't. And if your life is feeling like this right now, give it time. Give it time because God may be doing some amazing work in and through you just like he did Joseph. I got a quote here that I absolutely love. People who haven't suffered much don't have much to offer. A great uh, quote by A.W. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Hush. <coughs> Be quiet. 
A, a great quote by A.W. Tozer, God never uses anyone greatly until he's hurt them deeply. So let's put a bow on this before the dog freaks out. Right? What's some things that we've learned from this, Kim? Well, um, I, like, I just want to go back to verse 21 after Joseph says, You meant to harm me, but God meant it for good. And he says this to his brothers, Now don't be afraid. Because I will continue to take care of you and to save your children. And he assured them by speaking kindly. And that just is such a beautiful reflection of Joseph's heart to me. Because he, he could have been ugly. He could have held a grudge. He could have continually um, reminded them, you did this to me, you did this to me. But instead, he reassures them and speaks kindly. How many people in your life need to hear your kind words. How many people need to know and be assured of the fact that you've forgiven them or that you aren't holding something over their head? Because when we forgive someone and when we let go of that regret, we're freeing ourselves. We're saying, I don't want to carry this anymore. This weighs too much. And Joseph shows us that. He realizes it's not worth it to me to go back and carry all of this from the beginning and remember all these things that has been done. Because why? Because God was faithful through it all. Joseph did not lack. Did he feel forgotten? Yes. But did he ever perish? No, because God was with him. And in the end, it was more important to him to love his family and to save the relationship and be faithful to God rather than carry around the regret and the burden and the hate and the revenge that could have been there. So if you feel yourself going that way, I challenge you today. Remind yourself, what words would I want to hear in this situation? What would I want someone to speak over me? And those are the things that you, we can give life to others by speaking those words and assuring them of our love and our care for them. Absolutely. So wherever you're at, know this, that God wants to take your biggest regret and to turn it around and make it a story of redemption. So we're going to pray. And I just want to encourage you, I want to thank you so much for allowing us to be in your home. I know this has been a little long, but, uh, so I apologize about that. But I'm glad that we were able just to kind of talk together. And this has not been a normal uh, teaching or anything like that, but it's something that I know that God literally was speaking to me to last night. And I'm like, I think you maybe need to punt what you were going to do. And uh, and I'm telling you, that, that verse, uh, chapter 50, verse 20, um, I would encourage you, make sure, that's a good thing to memorize, that what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Would you like to pray? Dear God, thank you so much for the gift of your word. Thank you for how your truth is in every page of this Bible. And I pray that you will just pour it into our hearts and into our minds and help us to soak it up like a sponge. Help us to understand the heart of who you are and the heart of who you want us to be. Thank you for the life of Joseph. Thank you for showing us through him that we don't have to carry our regrets. We don't have to have a spirit of revenge. We don't have to live with unforgiveness. But through you and because of the great work that you want to do in each one of us and how you cause all things to work together for good, right. that we can be faithful to you as you are faithful to us because you will bring your best out of it. No matter what was intended for harm, you mean it for good. And we are thankful. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Stay warm. <laughs>